This podcast is brought to you by Wikes Ferry Road Church. For more information, please visit WFRChurch.org. Good morning. Supposed to have a lot of you are right on time. All right, let's go. Y'all ready? Let's go ahead and have a prayer and get started. Father, we just want to tell you that we love you so much. We thank you for all you do. Thank you for Pam and, and her hard work and her study and that she's bringing, us, bringing all this to us. And just to ask you to be, let the Spirit be with her today that she'll say exactly what you want her to say. Thank you for everybody here and just pray for open hearts and open eyes. We love you so much. Let's do him and pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Good morning. I'm so happy to be with you guys again. Um, I want to say I'm especially happy this week because my husband flew all the way down from Ohio to spend the week with me. Wave at everybody, Ed. <laughs> He'll kill me later. Um, he is truly the greatest man I've ever known, and I just want to say that. Um, we had a great bunco, didn't we, girls? Thursday, we had a blast, and just look around, don't let all these sweet little faces fool you. We have some real competitive spirits, and we have the scratches to prove it, don't we? That was so fun, and I just want to thank everybody that was able to come to make that a great success. That was wonderful. We just had a blast. Um, Quick review, then. Spring feast, the posters are gone. Let's see if we can remember them together. Passover, unleavened bread. First Fruits, Pentecost, also called Shavuot. Very good. Pentecost means what? What does Pentecost mean? (laughs) 50. Very good. Pentecost means 50. What does Shavuot mean? I mean, I'm just getting your your brains going. What What does Shavuot mean? Weeks. Who said it? Who said it? Give her a hand. Yes, weeks. Seven weeks. Of seven, of seven days, that's right. And then the next following day is Pentecost, which is you'll find in your New Testament, means 50. Very good. Okay, what is so special about that number, about the, the feast, Shavuot, which means the Feast of Weeks? What's special about that? This, because seven means covenant. Very good. And what does covenant mean? Very good. We're just going to take a little peek then at the fall feast. I really don't have time to go into each feast the way I wish I wish I had more time, but we can scratch the surface and that's that's exciting enough. So, the fall festivals are number 1, repeat after me, trumpets, trumpets. Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur. Tabernacles. Tabernacles. Okay, those are the fall festivals commanded by God, Leviticus chapter 23, a total of 7. Up, oh, total of what? What is God trying to tell us? Yes. Later on in the history of God's people, there were two other feasts that the people of God began celebrating. Purim and Hanukkah. We're going to go over those two and you're just going to love those feasts. So that's a total of nine. Very, very good. Um, Why did God command his people to celebrate these festivals, these feasts every year? To remember. Say that with me. Remember. He wanted his people to remember. I used to have a little poster up here that in the Hebrew to remember wasn't just to recall an event. It was to direct us and to shape us and to change our walk. He wanted us to tell our children, okay? Tell our children, our children to remember the mighty works of God's redemptive program. Get Get these works, get this whole truth, repeat after me, into their hearts. And to their days, and to their meals, and to their activities, and to the changing seasons, and to the setting of the sun. Very good. Listen to this scripture. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Repeat after me and press them on your children. Again, impress them on your children. Again, impress them on your children. Very good. Talk to them when you sit at home. Very good. When you walk. Say it again. When you walk. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them 
Tie them as symbols on your hands and on your foreheads and on the door frames of your houses. Your what? Get it in your home, right? And on the gates of your homes, Deuteronomy 6, the truth of what we learn in this church, the truth that we learn in this church, we must carry with us. Who has the blue polka-dotted little papers? We must carry this truth and let it flood where? Repeat, the home. Two. The workplace. Three. The school. Four. The university. Five. The voting booth. Whoa, what? The what? Do you realize that if God's holy redeemed church would vote for people who had a heart for God's law, what this country would be like, we come to this place and we learn this truth, and we go to that voting booth, and God's church, sometimes, some of us, cast a vote for the most godless men on the face of the earth. And it's time that we take this truth, and we take it and let it flood into what, Debbie? The The voting booth. Six. Our areas of entertainment. Our areas of entertainment. Seven. Our times of leisure. We must carry truth like a torch. We must blast truth like a trumpet. Give her a hand. We must tie truth on our hands and bind it on our foreheads. We must write truth on the gates of our homes. We've got to be authentic Christians, kids. You know what I mean? The, the world's dying starving for authentic Christians. I've got to tell you, we must never give up. No matter, no matter how discouraged, we must never quit. I want to take a moment and thank Kim. Kim, turn around and wave at the camera. She did such a good job blasting our trumpet last week. She said, I was sitting, i got to tell him, I was sitting there thinking, whew, I smell some halitosis. She said, I was looking around. She said, I bent down, looked at that trumpet. Whoo! So she said, I'm going to find Linda to blow that trumpet. So thank you. We did, she did clean it up for you. But last week we learned a tiny bit about the fall feast trumpets, the feast of trumpets. Awesome, awesome. And we have a trained trumpet blower today, so we're excited about that. You've got to be on your toes. I'm going to be calling on you, okay? Very good. I wish I had time really to finish all the fullness of... I didn't have time to finish trumpets, and I wish I did. Time's always our enemy. But look, God loves the sound of the trumpet. Isn't that beautiful? And we need to, we need to start listening to that. Trumpets, also called Rosh Hashanah, say that. Celebrated on the first day of Tishri. Now, the trumpet lasts 30 days prior to the Feast of Trumpets. That's a time of preparation, okay? Now, 30 30 days of preparation plus 10 days called the the days of awe, okay? 30 plus 10 equals what? Oh, gee, what does that make you think of? Yeah. Yes, the four promises. Say it with me. I will bring you out. I will set you free. I will redeem you. I will make you my own. Very good. The blasting of the trumpet for this 40-day period, this holy time, the 40-day blasting of the trumpet. Very good. It's called Teshuvah. Say it. Again. That means return or a time of repentance. Now, this is, last Wednesday I was gifted to get to talk to the teens. And last Wednesday was a special day because it's Ash Wednesday. And it's a 40-day spiritual journey. And I wanted to talk to you guys about it for just a little minute. What happens is with the blasting of the trumpet, the, this 40-day period of time is a time, now we talked about this last week, it's a time to restore our relationship with who? God. Then it's a time to restore our relationship with people in our own homes. Then it's a time to restore our relationship with who else? Very good. So the, the trumpet would blast for 30 days, pre, 
during the, the time of, of t- uh, the first month of Tishri to help us remember, right? Remember. What are we remembering? That we've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Okay? That's what this is all about. And so I want, what I want us to understand before I get into the, the, the Ash Wednesday thing, that the blasting of the trumpet, very good, was a time of celebration. Say that. Celebration. It was the time to celebrate. Repeat after me. God's royalty. The coming judgment. God's remembering his people. And the birthday of the world. Now, I remembered, I mean, I spoke last week about something that happened in 1925 that might would have never happened if we had been blasting this trumpet. Does anybody remember? Who said that? Yes, I am so impressed. The Scopes Monkey Trial, absolutely. That's when they started putting evolution in the schools. At the time, that was against the law. We lost that one, didn't we? We haven't been blasting that trumpet enough. We got to blast the trumpet. Now you got to get ready because the trumpet proclaims liberty. The trumpet proclaims freedom. The trumpet proclaims deliverance. And the trumpet proclaims redemption. Give her a hand. That's great. Okay, I got a verse that I've got divided into three parts. And Tommy, do you have the first part or the who has? Who has the first part? Oh, Randall, I'm so sorry. You're sitting here waving at me, right? You're on, Randall. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Okay, I want you to say it again. Could you guys hear him in the back? One more time. I mean, blast it. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Yes, the trumpet blast. Very good, two. Yes, three. Those of us who are still alive will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. Encourage each other with these words. Say that. Encourage each other with these words. Again, encourage each other with these words. That trumpet is going to blast. What's the blasting of the trumpet mean to you and me as Christians? It's the call of the of God. Jesus is going to blast the trumpet. Or some angel may... Yes. <laughs> yes. And we're going to be shooting up into the air. Isn't that awesome? We've got to learn to love the blast of the trumpet or that thing's going to blast and we're not going to, we're not going to know what it is. It can't be the calling of the church, kids. It's an instrument, right? Ooh. <laughs> You can't fire me. I'm a volunteer. (laughs) Oh, how sweet newly found old truth is. Right? Remember King Josiah? That whole story, how sweet, how sweet newly found old truth is. I love it. I love the trumpet's going to blast. And those of us who are still here are going to be shooting up in the air, following the ones who have been in the graves. They get to go first. Everything is going to be done in order. And those graves are going to rip open and it's going to be an awesome, awesome sight. Second, okay, now we're going to look at the second fall feast, which is not the call of the church, but it's a call to the nation of Israel. Okay, we're going to look at Yom Kippur today. Now, this appointed day, Yom Kippur, I'm going to move my little picture because I might be dancing with this priest in a minute. This day is very different from the other feasts, okay? Very different in flavor, in aroma, in mood. This feast, the Day of Atonement, carries with it no dramatic stories of an exodus journey. It carries no yeasty breads to collect and burn. None of that's going to be in this feast. No beautiful barley sheaf to be waved before the worshipers. No golden calf who had been pulled down and ground up and everybody was forced to drink um, a golden calf cocktail. None of that. No wine poured to celebrate a marriage covenant. No swords, aren't you glad, for me to swing around today and kill a chair. No music to move us. This is a solemn, sad, scary 24-hour day, not of of feasting, 
but of fasting. Say that. Fasting. fasting. So we're going to kind of change the tone of, of the whole time we've had together. The Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, is the sixth feast of Israel. And the Jewish people say to one another on this 24-hour feast, may your name be inscribed in the book of life. Isn't that what we want? To have our name as, um, inscribed in the, in the book of life. And that's what the Jewish people would say on the day of Yom Kippur. Say that, Yom Kippur. Yom means day. Kippur means, repeat after me, to atone, to, atone. to reconcile. To make amends for a wrong. To bring back together. To cover. To redeem. That's what we're going to be talking about as we look at the priest there. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, is celebrated the tenth day of the month of Tishri. Okay? Now, the month who can remember out of the twelve months in the Jewish calendar what month Tishri is? Who can remember? Seven. Oh, so instantly, instantly when you realize that this is celebrated in the seventh month, instantly what's your mind drawn to? Somehow God's going to keep his covenant to us. So it becomes very interesting. Covenant says what? I'll be yours and you'll be mine. Very good. I told you last week trumpets was celebrated on the first day of this seventh month of Tishri. Okay, I told you for, four, for 30 full days that the trumpet would blast in preparation of this, of this day. Now, who has the purple cards? Okay, the, the trumpet would blast in preparation for one. Two. Three. Four. Five. Very good. The trumpets blasted. Repeat after me. The sound of deliverance. The sound of victory. The sound of salvation. And the sound of liberty. This all happened 30 days before these 10 days of awe. Trumpets to Yom Kippur was a 10-day section of time. 30, remember, 30 days prior, plus these 10 days are the days of awe, also called the high holy days. Now they're counted, those 10 days are counted from this blast to this day, that's ten days. And that, may, that makes you think of a lot of things, doesn't it? Maybe the Ten Commandments. Ten's another awesome number. Um, and we don't have time to go into all of that. But this 40-day preparation period was called what? Anybody remember? Teshuvah. Say it again. Teshuvah. Again. Teshuvah. Anybody remember what it means? It means return or repentance. Okay? It's a 40-day spiritual journey when God is moving his people to return from what? Yes, yes. Repent of what? Yes. And that's so awesome about that. 40, 40 should remind, remind us always the four promises. I'll bring you out. I'll set you free. I'll redeem you. And I'll make you my own. All of these feasts, that's what all of these feasts are about, are those four promises. When Moses left God's command to go and talk to these discouraged people and tell them, don't despair, God's going to keep his promises to his world. It reminds me so much of the Lenten season, and I want to talk about that for a minute. For a minute. The Lenten season is the season that the Christian world is involved in now. Anybody ever heard of Lent? Raise those hands high. Okay. I was not raised celebrating the Lenten season, and probably you weren't either. But what happened is, see, the Lenten season or Lent is not a biblical feast, okay? I told you, I think, on our second week together that all these biblical feasts were shoved off the table, right? You guys didn't know about them. Who knew about them? So what happened is there was a void left, right? And so the church tried to fill the void with other, with other feasts. And Lenten, or Lent, happens to be one of them. And I love it. I celebrate it every year. Uh, this is how it goes. You, the Catholic Church, I think, is, is the one responsible for this really cool feast. And it's a feast you can celebrate if you want to. Nobody's going to whack you down if you don't. <laughs> 
You're blessed if you do. You're blessed if you don't. So don't come up to me after class and tell me I shouldn't be celebrating Lent. Because whatever I use to draw my heart closer to God's a good thing. Now, the Lenten season is a a 40-day season. That makes me think of Teshuvah, right? And so you give something up. What it is is Lent means to lengthen. The days begin growing longer during this season. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. When you live in Ohio, you want those days to get longer and warmer. It's the time when for 40 days we prepare our heart for the coming first fruits Easter, right? I mean, you'll never call it Easter again the way you did before, right? I mean, I see beautiful displays of Easter eggs and Easter bunnies, and it's still so beautiful to me. And it's not evil because people are doing it with the right heart, right? But it still breaks my heart that we as a Christian nation are calling the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ on first fruits after a Babylonian fertility goddess whose symbols are bunnies and eggs. Doesn't that kind of make you think maybe that pains God's heart a wee bit? So I now it's called first fruits Easter so people can begin to understand. But Lenten is a time for 40 days beginning Wednesday when we go through a spiritual journey to give something up voluntarily. We deny our flesh something. Who has number one on those little orange polka dot cards? Chocolate. Chocolate. Woo, that one hurts. <laughs> two. Coke. Coke. Three. Red meat. Four. Facebook. Facebook. Five. Bread. Bread. Six. Dessert. Who has that one? Oh, dessert. Seven. That's just as bad. French fries. Eight. Candy. Candy. Nine. Sweet tea. Sweet tea. Ten. Ice cream. Look, guys, the list. The list can go on and on and on. The idea is we're going to, those who want to during this 40-day season, give something up. And it can be anything. Don't make it too big or I'm telling you your flesh will not let you succeed. Give something up, small, that every time you want that thing, you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not eating them. I'm not eating it. I'm not drinking it. And then, Lord, help me repair my heart for first fruits. Get me, in, get me lined up to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and King. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. And I think that this, and, the, and the, uh, this is another cool thing before I go on. On Ash Wednesday, which was last Wednesday, churches across the nation put upon their forehead an ash cross. Now, mine's much blingier than that, but I used to wear an ash cross until I wanted to be blingier. So now I wear a golden cross all the time, three years now, without missing a day. But back in the day, I just would wear an ash cross. These ashes are from the palms that were burned the previous year on the Palm Sunday celebration. Have you ever had a Palm Sunday celebration here? What a crying shame. Oh, what a powerful day Palm Sunday is. And if I have a chance, I'm going to share it with you my second to the last week here. The church would collect the palms from the Palm Sunday celebration and store them away, Uncle Paul. And then they would burn them. And then people, the worshipers, will come and they get a smear across on their forehead. You know how many people scoff at me for my cross when I'm walking through town sometimes? But you know, most people walk up to me and say, Yay, Jesus answer. And, and that's a great, it's just so good for me to, to take the people to, that kind of roll their eyes and scoff at me. It's good for me to hurt that much for the cause of Christ, right? We're called to be a peculiar people. I told Dad last night, I don't care, I know I'm weird. He said, honey, you're not weird, you're peculiar. <laughs> I said, that'll do. That'll do. Teshuvah, the 40-day spiritual journey. From the 30 days before Tishri to the 10 days from the blasting of the trumpet, bless it good, to remind us to get our lives right. Get right with God. Let it spill into your home. Let it spill into your community. Blast the trumpet to celebrate all the awesome things God has done for us 
And then comes the sad, somber day of atonement. This is the day the high priest offered the blood for the remission of the covering of the sins for the nation of Israel. Can you imagine if every church across America celebrated Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, for the sins of, the, of America? Now, we do that kind of, sort of, when we have the National Day of Prayer in May. And I participated in that before, and I love it. As all the churches across America come together in unity and pray for the healing of our nation. The Day of Atonement is a, is a 24-hour feast where the high priest offers blood for the remission of sins for the nation of Israel. Now, something really cool is happening, and you might miss it if I didn't point it out to you, but now a man, say it, a man is going to have something to do with our redemption. And it's seen on this feast. Who is that man? Yes, yes, the high priest points to whom? Jesus, our high priest. Wonderful. These people weren't getting it, right? They weren't getting it all. We've learned through many times that we studied here. God's people didn't always get it. Did you guys always get it? I mean, I have prayed over things for years. Lord, just show me. And he won't until finally one day, a decade later, when he thinks, when he knows now I'm ready, he'll reveal it to me. God's not worried if we don't get it all today. Right? These folks didn't get it. But we get it because we can look back and say, Yay! Yay! God kept his promises and he's going to keep them further for us yet. For when we die and are placed in that grave, what is he going to do? He's going to bring us out. Right? He's going to set us free. He's going to redeem us from that death grave and he's going to make us his own as we live and reign with him forever and eternity. Give him a hand. Give your Messiah a hand. Now so far up to this point, every week together, these feasts have touched us at a very personal and a very private level. Now I'm going to ask a question and you guys are going to answer. How did Passover touch us in the home? This side, we're going to volleyball back and forth. How did Passover touch us in the home? What was What was the first Passover to include? Put on what? Whose door frame? Yes, you put the blood on your own door frame. What about unleavened bread? How did unleavened bread take the truth of, of what God's telling us to do into the home? Unleavened bread, this side. Whoa, that sounded great. Again. Yeah, clean, clean the sin out of whose home? Kim's home? Karen's home? Your home. Very, your own home. Very good. What about first fruits? How, would, how did that... How did that folk make us focus on our own homes, our own lives? First fruits. Given the your first, not your neighbor's first. Your first. Trust in God to su- supply your need. Very good. What about Shavuot? What about Pentecost? How did that translate into a personal <laughs> challenge? <laughs> hey, when you get fifty-five. When you get 55, those words leave you. Woo, yeah, and I move up here and I'm limited in time. Okay, Shavuot. How did that, how did the, the feast that we had in the corner, Shavuot, Pentecost, how did that, how did that translate to make us focus on ourselves? You guys remember that one? You were, what kind of, what kind of bread did I have up here? Where did that fine flour come from? Walmart? Whose field? Your own field. You take your own harvest. You grind your own fine flour. And you take your own two sinful yeasty loaves to the priest. Very good. Now, what about trumpets? What about trumpets? What's the idea of trumpets? You're going to get right with who? God. Then who? 
Then who? You're going to do a lot of repenting in your own heart. Now we come to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And now for the first time we have a man enter the picture and he is offering sins for the nation. It's not quite as personal anymore. The nation. Do the sins of the nation today affect us as individuals? I want to run through some things really quick. And I know time's my enemy. I'm going to put her in high gear. 1.2 million abortions. 2.4 million divorces. 14,800 murders. And that's not counting those little ones that were aborted, right? 36,500 overdose deaths. Listen to this. $468 billion spent. Say that. $468 $468 billion spent on substance abuse. That's B. Who's paying for that? Reported, case, reported cases of child sexual abuse, 61,000 reported cases. That's the tip of the evil little nasty iceberg. Most of these abuses are dirty little secrets, right? You don't tell anybody. And these little children walk around wounded and broken until finally they can't take it anymore. And their lives spin out of control. Horror. The the sins of this nation are eating us alive. 89,000 cases of reported rape reported. How many uh, are arrested for drunk driving 1.2? Does that affect us? Drunk driving? Armed robbery, I can go on and on and on with these statistics. How does abortion hurt a nation? Anybody? Floor is yours. It lets you know that life means nothing. Absolutely. Anybody want to add to that? That's right. How does divorce hurt the nation? If you guys are in here and you're divorced, I'm not picking on you. I'm not picking on you if you've had an abortion. We've been, we've been listening to the culture, haven't we? What did we learn when we looked at Baal? All those people were, were taking their wee ones, remember that, and laying them on the hot, blistering hands of the idol, seeking what? Seeking prosperity, seeking blessings. And the spirit of Baal is alive today in America because the church of Jesus Christ isn't blasting the trumpet of truth enough. We've got to start doing better. We've got to start... Helping the wounded and helping them find forgiveness and not being afraid to proclaim the truth that this stuff is killing us, right? Say it. It's killing us. Because Satan offers so much and delivers so little except in the area of heartache and pain and sorrow and despair. Such a huge thing that the high priest would offer A sacrifice for the sins of the nation. Think of a dump truck. A dump truck pulls in your yard and your driveway. And every sin you've committed in the past 365 days of your life is represented by a golf ball. Okay? And you had to throw every sin you committed, a golf ball-sized sin, in that dump truck. Just you now, not the nation. How full would that be? And it wouldn't be nearly as full as you think. I mean, it would, be way, it would be way fuller than you think it would be, right? Why? Well, we just don't even have the sins we commit. We don't even notice them as sins. Now, you take the nation and every sin represented by a golf ball has got to be tossed into some container big enough to contain it. What could contain it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the sins of the nation. The Day of Atonement was a day commemorated on the 10th day of what month? Tishri, which means what? The seventh month. The day the high priest, who's a picture, a picture, a picture of Jesus our Messiah, offered blood in the Holy of Holies for the nation of Israel. There's no way I can explain to you today how how important this day was to the Jewish people, how meaningful, how serious, 
how frightening, how somber, and how huge this 24-hour fast was. The Day of Atonement was not a joyous celebration. It was a fast. The people, number one, who has the black card, number one. They did not eat or drink for 24 hours. Number two. They did not take a bath. bath. Three. They did not use cosmetics. <laughs> Four. Five. Six. Seven. Absolutely. This was a time where we focused on the high priest going into the Holy of Holies. This 24-hour fast was a time to remind the people, repeat after me, that no matter how many daily sacrifices, say it, weekly sacrifices, monthly sacrifices, Sabbath sacrifices, no matter how much sin was spilled, it was not enough to bring God's people into relationship with Messiah Jehovah God. You guys got that? All of those sacrifices were not enough. We learned, Kim, you have a scripture. Read that really loud. Hebrews 9.22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Say it again. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Okay, now I want to review really quick. Remember after Jesus left his final meal with his boys, okay? What meal were they celebrating? Passover. What were they drinking? How many cups? What did those four cups remind them of? Which are what? They left that meal under the full moon, the first full moon of spring. They entered, they, in, they entered the darkness only lit by the first full moon of spring and they walked, remember, I told you, across the Kidron Valley to Gethsemane, right? And they had to cross a path running red with all of the blood from the thousands and thousands of Passover sacrifices were washed into this stream. The boys, they were young. They were jolly and full of Passover lamb and unleavened bread and four cups of wine. They're picking Passover lamb out of their teeth, right? You know how young men are, hitting each other and tripping each other. But Jesus was very heavy that night, for he knew his passion was just hours away. They get to the stream, and Jesus sees it running red with the blood. Instantly, what did he think of? Anybody remember? The blood path. Back in Genesis 15, Abraham says to God, you promised me sons, no son do I have. Eliezer, my servant, is going to inherit my stuff. God says, no way will he inherit your stuff. You're going to have a son from your own body. And then he told Abraham, go get a three-year-old heifer. That's a big heifer. Go get a three-year-old ram and a three-year-old goat and a pigeon and a dove. And Abraham knows exactly what to do. That's how covenants were made. Abraham sliced those big animals from this way, left side and a right side. What's dripping off of Abraham's elbows as he's slaughtering and killing and slicing up these animals? Blood is a proper sacrifice. One side of the heifer on this side of a ditch. One side on this side. Same thing with the ram. Same thing with the goat. The blood's pooling in this path. And Abraham, whoever's entering into the covenant together, they walk the blood path. The idea, I mean, we're getting blood. Abraham's old. He's getting blood in his big old hairy toes. Blood under his old gnarly toenails. Blood splashing up on the bottom of his robe. The idea of this kind of covenant is, if I don't keep my end of the covenant, this is going to happen to me, kids. Somebody's going to bleed out. Whoa, are we keepers of covenants? Say it. Are we keepers of covenants? No. Say it again. No. You try giving something up for Lent. I mean, you just try giving... A, a saltine cracker up. And you've never wanted a saltine cracker so bad. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? 
I want to read something to you out of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 34. Therefore, this is what Yahweh the Lord says. You have not obeyed. Saying this to His people. You have not obeyed Me. You have not proclaimed freedom to your fellow countrymen. How is that proclaimed? Blow that horn. You have, thank you. You have not proclaimed freedom for your fellow countrymen. So now God says, I'm going to proclaim something to you guys. I'm going to proclaim freedom for you, declares the Lord. Freedom to fall by the sword. Freedom to fall by the plague and famine. I will make you abhorrent to all the kingdoms of the earth. The men who have walked my covenant. What's he talking about? The, the men who have walked my covenant and have not fulfilled their terms of the covenant they cut before me, I will treat like the calf they cut in two and then walk between its pieces. Do you see the blood path as a sworn commitment to keep both terms of the covenant, right? We don't keep covenants. The leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the court officials, the priests, and all the people of the land who walked between the pieces of the calf, I will hand over to their enemies who seek their lives, and their dead bodies will become food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. God said, I will keep the covenant. Aren't you guys glad? I mean, somebody's going to bleed out. Who bled out? Who should have bled out? Praise His holy name that He kept for us what we would not keep. That is so tied up into the feasts and the festivals of the Lord. And Yom Kippur, blood is a proper sacrifice. Blood is a proper sacrifice. It's a picture, it's a picture, it's a picture. And I love the pictures. Blood is a proper sacrifice. The innocent must perish, must die for the guilty. A picture, a picture, a picture. In the Garden of Eden, what happened when Adam and Eve sinned? What did God do to cover their shame and their humiliation? What did He do? Killed an innocent lamb. A picture from the beginning. The innocent must die for the guilty. All the blood sacrifices have their place. Say it with me. Remember! Remember! Remember what separates us from God. Sin. We aren't really that offended by sin. Really. I mean, really, we're not. Unless it's really horrible, heinous sin. Who has the red cards? Number one. Oh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Now, he was over the top, right? Two. And he lives still. Three. Ted Bundy. Boy, we just just can't believe the things these people have done. Who has it for? Child molesters, there's no penalty big enough for them, right? Who's got the next one, Zach? That's a big one, isn't it? You go to a man of God to get, to get healed and health, and before you know it, you're molested. I mean, these little children are dying. That's a double whammy. Now they hate the church, right? But we aren't really offended, that offended by sin. I mean, those regular normal sins, right? Like, like, Flipping off somebody because they run out in front of you in traffic, right? You guys, I mean, certainly no. Cussing your family members, right? Cheating on your taxes, right? Lying about this, those little white lies. I mean, who can think of one? Anybody, anything running through your mind? Those little sins that just don't offend us. Anybody? Absolutely, lying. But the righteous God of the universe is very offended by our sin and He demands a price if we're going to be reconciled with Him. What if you had a brand new, brand new zero miles candy apple red Mercedes or a brand new fully loaded dually pickup truck of your color, whatever, and you're so proud of it and some snotty-nosed kid finds your keys and without your knowing it takes it all over town just totally destroys it. What would you think about that when you saw him? What would you have to demand of this kid once you finally could settle your nerves and your anger down enough to even speak to this kid? What if he? What would you do if he came up to you and said, Hey, sorry about your bad luck here, $75. Get over it. What would you say? What would his penalty be? I can tell you what. 
The offended one gets to determine the penalty, not the snotty-nosed kid, right? I mean, you're so ticked, you can't even speak. And you get home and you hear a knock on your door. Go to the door. This elderly man is standing there and he said, Sir, I, I know my grandkid's a mess and I know he totaled your vehicle, but I would like to make it right and I'm going to write you a check for $70 million. Will that, will that do it? Would that, would that fix it, kids? I mean, would that pretty much bring you back into some kind of reconciliation? I'm telling you, that's what Jesus our Messiah did for us. His blood, His righteous God blood paid was so huge, bigger than the penalty. God's not mad at you anymore. Can you even understand that? You have been, we have been reconciled. We have been brought together. And it wasn't by the blood of bulls and goats. That was only a picture, a picture, a picture of the blood it was going to take to bring us back in relationship with God Almighty. Give Him a praise. Give Him a praise. Give Him a praise. Look, the worshipers had to stand far off from God. Back in these days, they couldn't even approach. Look, the brazen altar. Remember the brazen... I have all of these little pieces of furniture at my home church. I wish I would have brought them. The brazen altar is the huge altar in the courtyard. And the, and the, 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 the sacrifices were slain there. And what's really cool and important about the sacrifices on the brazen altar is that the priests had a censer and they had to collect the bloody coals from that altar. Remember that. Because the bloody coals were very important as God's painting a picture. And remember Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's, you know, Aaron is Moses' his brother. And Aaron, the priestly tribe, he had two sons, Nadab and Abihu. Say that. Nadab and Abihu. And they were supposed to go out to the brazen altar in the courtyard and they were supposed to collect bloody coals and put them in their censer and take them to the altar of incense and throw incense and these bloody coals on that altar and poof, the smoke would fly up, sweet, representing the prayers, the prayers, the prayers, our prayers go up to heaven only through the slain blood of our Messiah. Do you guys understand that? It was a picture. And old Nadab and Abihu, they didn't want to go get the bloody coals. So they went and got some other coals and put in their censer and took to the altar of incense and threw them on the altar of incense. And you know what God did? Boom! Boy, Nadab and Abihu were slain. I always think about them coming in and just picking up ash. There's old Nadab. And there's old Bahu. Powerful story. Powerful story. Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy in the sight of all the people, and I will be honored. Say it. And I will be honored. The people had to stand far away from the presence of the Holy of Holies and from the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. Only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies one day a year. And that what day? The Day of Atonement. Before I run out of time, and I knew I would, I just want to explain to you how serious this was. The, The high priest here wore a hat that said holiness unto the Lord. God designed this robe. All church robes are designed from this one. There was no robe more beautiful. On the high priest, who's he a picture of? Jesus. On his, on his breastplate, he had 12 beautiful stones which represented every tribe. The idea was that the high priest kept God's people next to his heart. Jesus Christ keeps his people where? Next to his heart. On his shoulders were two fine stones with the twelve tribes of Israel. And six on here and six on here. Their names were engraven. 
Because his, what does a shepherd do when he picks up a wounded lamb? Where does he put the lamb? He carries us on his shoulders. He had two stones called the Urim and the Thummim. Say that. The Urim and the Thummim. That means lights and perfections in a little secret pocket behind this, behind this apron he wore. Where when they needed a, a message or a word from the Lord, God would speak through these stones. He carried on the bottom of his robe bells. Bells. Because when the high priest went to minister in the Holy of Holies, one day a year on what day? The Day of Atonement. He was an old man. And what if he offended God? People were so afraid if those bells would stop tinkling, who's going to go get him? Remember old Uzzah. David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And the Ark of the Covenant, covered of course, was on the, uh, was on the cart. And Uzzah was behind the cart making sure all went well. And the, and the cart hit a hole in the Ark of the Covenant, kind of teetered and tottered. And Uzzah reached up to touch it. Fire from heaven! Poor Uzzah! Poor Uzzah! Dead! Gone! No one could approach God except one day a year in the Holy of Holies so the people tied a rope around the high priest's ankle. For if he offended God and was slain, they could pull him out. So awesome, isn't it, Sandra? I mean, this stuff blows my mind. I just love it. All of this stuff is a picture, a picture. And I, oh, I'm out of time. Okay. You know what? I had so much to share with you guys on unleavened bread, and I, I ran out of time. I ran out of time again. Just please remember the story of the little boy and the $70 million Grandpa offered for reconciliation. God's not mad at you. Say it. God's not mad at you. Let's say God's not mad at me. One, two, three. God's not mad at me because this high priest entered the Holy of Holies and he shed his own blood and now he lives. He dies not. And he lives in heaven to take your issues and your hurts and your, and your sorrows to God Almighty. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Okay. Get out of here. I'll see you next week. <laughs> this has been a presentation by Whitesbury Road Church. For more information, please visit wfrchurch.org.